0: My name is Tim, and I'm so glad to be here with you. My wife and I, two days ago, got back, in fact, uh, just a bit, about three hours from now, two days ago, got back from the great country of Uganda. And we were there for a week with Compassion International and some pastors from the great Northeast uh, of America. And we just saw so many wonderful things, lots and lots of things to tell you about how God is working through Compassion uh, Compassion International, a child sponsorship program that works with the local church of countries around the world to bring um, the elimination of poverty to children's lives. And our church is a big par- partner with Compassion. We sponsored an entire village in El Salvador in 2016. We not only gave Compassion the money, I think it was about $75,000, to establish a child development center in El Salvador But we had the sponsorship forms for the entire village of children for El Salvador. They never expected us to take them all before the end of the first service two years ago, 2016, three years ago now, Uh, before the end of the first service on Sunday. So we'd only had two services that weekend. Before the end of the second service out of three services, all the children in that village were sponsored by you people. That was beautiful. Yeah. So they ended up faxing us some forms from other villages around the world, and we sponsored in that weekend 293 children to the glory of God from this church. That's a powerful testimony to to what's happening here. Now, we're going to be doing that again. How many believe we can do it again? Take another village. That was a tepid clap. That was a tepid clap, Waters Church. How many believe we can do it again? So... The country of Uganda, we are coming for them. And we're going to bring hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ to children who desperately need to know that they are precious to the Father in heaven. Amen, somebody? Amen. Um, Cheryl and I ran into a man named Richmond Wandera, And I'm going to talk to you about him a little bit at the end of the service. This is a man who graduated the Compassion Program. He came to the United States. He was sponsored by an American Uh, Throughout throughout his childhood and teenage years, graduated the program, came to the United States, got his bachelor's degree, master's degree, and this past year finished up his doctorate at Lancaster Bible uh, College in Pennsylvania. Loved America, but his heart was in Uganda, and left this country, went back home, and planted a church in one of the toughest areas of that country. Around his church, there are 200 brothels where they sell teenage children, teenage girls, for sex at 50 cents a time. He's planted his church right in the middle of it. We walked through the aisles, the, the alleyways of those brothels. We saw the disparaging conditions of that community. They saw the game betting institutions of that community that enslaved young men. And what they did was they basically spent their money on sports betting, And then if they won, they would spend it on prostitutes and perpetuated the systemic poverty problem in that area. Richmond Wandera took his education, took his calling in God, and said, I'm going to go into the heart of hell and plant a gospel preaching church. And we were there celebrating them at this time last year. Well, actually, (laughs) seven hours ago this time last week. Worshiping Jesus with his church. About 75 people in attendance singing like you can't imagine. To the glory of God. How, you need to go to Africa if not, for nothing else than to learn how to worship Jesus. Because I'm sorry, white people, you don't get it. <laughs> and I can say that because I'm white. We need some soul in our souls. And man, I'll tell you, they worshiped, they danced around, they praised God. At the end of the service, they took the offering. They didn't pass the bucket. No, 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 no. They put the buckets at the front. They said, come, we're going to sing one more song, and you give. And these poor people, way poorer than you can imagine, came rushing, running, and jumping, and dancing to the front to give God their first fruits and to believe that their church could make a difference in that dark area. Now, I'm telling you something, if they can do that, We can do something special here in New England and around the world to the glory of God. Are you with me, Waters Church? We are in a series of messages called Above and Beyond. This is part three, the four marks of extravagant givers, John chapter 12. Take out your bulletins if you will. In your bulletins there is a note page. We want you to fill in the blanks and follow along with us as we go through this message. And I wanna welcome everybody watching by video, everybody who's watching through the internet, through Facebook, through YouTube, wherever you're watching, or even on television in New England. We're so glad that you are joined us. My name is Tim, this is the weekend at Waters Church. Come and see us sometime. Hey, everybody, let them know you'd love to see them here in person one day. Give them a hand clap. We'd love to see you come and join us one time. April 6th and 7th on your notes there. Circle the date, circle it. Don't miss this day. Don't you dare miss church that weekend. We're gonna be taking a lot of your money. All right, we're gonna be receiving your first fruits offering. How about that? Receiving your first fruits offering for the above and beyond capital campaign. Every year we do some form of capital campaign. We invest in the gospel. Understand that. We are investing in the gospel. We are investing in the gospel because we believe the gospel changes hearts, changes families, changes communities, changes neighborhoods. Cheryl and I saw the firsthand how many people were changed by Richmond, Richmond Wanderers Church in Kampala, Uganda. And today we want to see in America, a country that has lost its way in so many respects, amen? We want to see the gospel continue to change hearts in this area of this nation. When you give on April 6th and 7th, you are not giving to stuff the coffers of Waters Church. Believe me, they've never been stuffed. We've always been broke. And I mean by that, net balance zero. We're not trying to save a ton of money to pack our retirement program around here. We take what comes in and we put it to work in the gospel mission of Jesus Christ. Everything that comes in goes out so that the gospel can be heard in this community. And I want you to think and pray, listen very carefully here, about April 6th and 7th. Did you circle the date? Three of you circled the date. The rest of you, circle the date. I want you to pray and think, what can I do above, listen, above and beyond my regular tithes and offerings so that we can do four things. The first, put a roof on this place. You say, it looks like there's a roof now. Yes, it needs to be replaced. We didn't have a bad winter, amen? How many were glad we didn't have a bad winter? That's because the Lord knew our roof couldn't handle it. And serious, the first snow we had, about 17 leaks right in this building, right here, where you're sitting. Okay, we need to replace it. Otherwise, we are up a creek. $250,000. We can do it, amen? amen. And then we need to add parking because we are at a capacity with our parking every single week. We're going to add parking over there on the other side of the building, and we're going to make room for our volunteers, our great serve team that serves every week and makes it possible for you to come and have a comfortable experience at church. So we're going to put parking over there. That's about $250,000. And then we're going to put a building in Woonsocket at our video campus in the city of Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We are signing pretty soon on a lease for a 13,000 square foot facility to build a permanent home for our Woonsocket campus to the glory of God. But that needs money too, so we need to see you, all of us, myself included, I want you to pray and think and ask God to speak to you about what amount you're gonna give in that first weekend's offering and or commit to giving every week for a year to above and beyond. That's gonna come up in a couple of weeks, April 6th and 7th. Please don't miss that weekend. If you miss that weekend, we would just postpone the offering until the following weekend. <laughs> or we'll take another one. We're all in this together. This is not the Tim Hatch show. Amen. This is your church. This is our church. This is his church. And so we all need every hand on deck to do what God has got us to do. The fourth thing we're going to do is take 10% of everything that comes in for Above and Beyond. We've never done this for the capital campaign. 10% of everything that comes in is going straight to our partner mission in Guatemala, Hope for Life, where they are changing the country of Guatemala one village at a time, planting churches and schools in village after village after village. So 10% of what comes in, one-tenth the tithe, is going out to a country that desperately needs to hear the gospel. Sound good? I'm excited. I hope you are too. So let's talk about giving because I need to inspire you. And I hope that by the end of this message, one of two things happens. You are inspired to give extravagantly to the gospel of Jesus Christ or are you, or number two, you are so ticked off because you're stingy and cheap with God and you don't want to give your money and you leave our church. (laughs) I want one of those two things to happen. Is that pastor you want people to leave? Yes, if they're stingy, I want them to go. Go to the Methodist church down the street. You understand that if you leave a church because you get upset that we ask you for money and you leave, we aren't actually losing anything. We are gaining a seat. Thank you very much. (laughs) Are we clear? Right? So, today, warning I'm going to let my hair down a little bit today. I just got back from Africa, and something happens to you when you go to Africa. You should go to Africa because there's an anointing of what God is doing in Africa. And I see in Africa the reverse trajectory of what I see in America. And if the trajectory continues, as the gospel starts to take root in Africa and communities are changed and and, and, and areas are changed and people are changed and nations are changed, and this country continues to ignore Christ and walk away from God and push him out of our school system, of our government institutions, of our Justice Department, of what's going on all over this country where we're starting to eat ourselves alive. In a hundred years, I guarantee you, in a hundred years, Africa will be sending missionaries to America. So are we going to be the people? Are we going to be a church who says, not on our watch. We're going to make an investment into the kingdom. We're going to make an investment into the gospel. Because we believe that Jesus Christ Not Waters Church, not buildings, not programs. Jesus Christ is the hope for mankind. And when he changes a heart, he changes a heart for eternity. (laughs) Now, it has always been the way that God works. He supplies the needs of the gospel through the people who have received the gospel. You've received the gospel if you're sitting here today, unless this is your first weekend. (laughs) And if it's your first weekend, I'm so glad that it is. You'll hear the gospel But if you've received the gospel here, it's time for you who have received to give. Why? Because Jesus tells us in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I wonder if you believe that. Do you believe that? It doesn't sound like you believe that. I want you to say the line with me because I want you to get this in your spirit. And by the way, the word blessed here is makarios. That's the biblical word for Happy. It is more happy to give than to receive. Some of you are struggling with depression. You're going to the doctor for medication, prescriptions. You're trying to get your life turned around through therapy or counseling. You're trying to get your education. Maybe if you get this thing, maybe you get this car, maybe you get this house, maybe you get this spouse, maybe you get this child, maybe you get this thing that you're dreaming of, you'll be happy. You get the thing, you're still not happy. It's because your life is not meant to just be a receiver. You can't just receive and receive and take and grab and go and get. You've got to learn how to be a giver. To, be, to, to give is more happy, Jesus. When we give, we are happy. Have you ever given anything and felt happy? It's true. The scientific research is coming out now that there's a happiness chemical that starts to be released into our brain the moment we start to give away our stuff. And I'll tell you something, some of you need to learn how to give away your money because you're so miserable. You're so miserable because you think that money is going to give you what only God can actually offer you. Money is a liar. It fools you to think that if you have more of it, you'll be more secure, you'll be more fulfilled, you'll be more satisfied. And all the things that money promises you are the things that only God can actually deliver for you. And you need to learn how to give because Jesus said it. It's more happy. You will be happier in your life the more you give. Now, here's my question based on what Jesus said. If it's truly better to give than to receive, I want you to write this down in your notes. If it's truly better to give than to receive, shouldn't I want God to make me a better giver? I want to get to be a better giver. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be happier later in life. Anybody with me on that? Or do you want to just become more grumpy? Become an old cranky geezer? How many think the world's got enough of those people? I want to be a happy old person. I know I'm going to get old. I know I'm going to lose this up here. Thank God I'll always have this. I know the wrinkles are coming. The grays are coming. The limp might be coming. Who knows what's coming? But I want to be happy when I get there. How am I going to do it? I'm going to learn how to be like Jesus. I'm going to learn how to give because he gave his life for me. So today I'm going to challenge you to give. But i got to ask you first, what kind of giver are you? Four kind of givers today. Four kind of Four levels. And I'm asking you to take your giving from one level to the next. The first kind of giver in church. In church, I call it the effortless giver. This is the person who, when we say we're gonna wait upon you for your tithes and offerings, says this, oh crap. They're gonna take money. Let me see if I can just not look foolish for a moment. And they dig into their pocket and they pull out a crumply old dollar bill or five dollar bill or ten-dollar bill and they say, I'll save the ten-dollar bill and I'll give the five. Some of you just did that just now. (laughs) You wanna leave right now. Stay where you are, I'm not done. (laughs) Effortless giving. I know where you come from. You come from the Catholic Church, because that's how they do it in the Catholic Church. $5 for Jesus. It's a tip. (laughs) Music was pretty good. Preacher was pretty good. Kind of liked my seat. I didn't like that they told me where to sit, but I kind of liked my seat. $5 for Jesus. It's a tip. You understand, that's not actually honoring God It's not actually showing him that you believe that he is worth everything to you. You understand that in America today, actually the statistics prove that we give more of our income to our pets than to the cause of Christ. Our pets. Some of you are giving more money to your cats. Your cats. Direct descendants of Lucifer himself. Giving more money to them than to Jesus, we're giving more money. Listen, in this country, to animals than to the cause of Jesus, and then we wonder why our che- our teenagers and our kids are shooting each other and killing themselves, acting like animals themselves. Oh, we can't tell them to have no sex until marriage, so give them some condoms. Let them act more like animals. Teach them to have safe sex. There's no such thing as safe sex. The only kind of safe sex there is is a man and a woman in one marriage forever. And I'll tell you, I am a living example that that kind of sex is fantastic sex. (laughs) It's healthy. It's godly. It's good. You want this. You want in on that. Don't listen to what the world tells you. They don't love you. They have no vested interest in who you become. They didn't make you. They didn't design you. They don't know how your life is supposed to work. The Father in heaven loves you with an everlasting love. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows what's good for you. He knows what's bad for you. Listen to him. Trust him. Honor him. Give to him. It will go well with you. Some of you have got to stop being effortless givers here. you got to stop it. you got to help us. you got to be a part of what we're doing here. Freely you have received. Now freely give. Second level, elementary giver. These are the tithers. You say, Pastor, I'm kind of worried you're at the level two and you're already at the 10% level. (laughs) Yeah, that's elementary. You know what tithing is? I call tithing the training wheels of giving. That's how you learn how to let go of your stuff. That's how you learn how to trust God. Well, I trust God. I, I, I don't get how people trust God with their eternal salvation. You're trusting that Jesus will take you when the last breath comes out of your lungs from earth to heaven. You have no problem trusting Him to do that. But you can't trust Him with the first tenth of your income? Do you really trust Him at all? And please don't give me this nonsense about tithing is Old Testament, and I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm a New Testament person. <laughs> The Old Testament says, do not murder. Do we ditch that one? The Old Testament says, do not commit adultery. Do we say, hey, I'm a New Testament Christian. So adultery is okay. No! Jesus said in Matthew 23:23, you should tithe, but you should also do justice to the less fortunate among you. He said, you should, if Jesus said it, we should do it. He never nullified the the tithe. In fact, in the New Testament, they don't give 10%. They give everything. Look it up in Acts chapter 2. No one considered his possessions his own, but freely shared with everybody as much as he had need. And they brought it to the apostles' feet, and the apostles distributed it to those who had need. The giving level from the Old Testament to the New Testament in no way goes down. Why? In the Old Testament, we got tablets of stone and Ten Commandments. In the New Testament, we got the precious blood of the Son of the living God. That's worth more than 10% to me. Elementary giving, you learn through the tithe how to trust God. You say, I can't, there's never enough money at the end of the month. There's never enough money at the end of my bills. That's because you decided to honor God last. It's about trust. You give him the first 10th and then the the 90% is blessed. Some of you are putting your mortgage company before Christ. Your mortgage company doesn't have the power to bless you. You're putting your cell phone bill before Christ. Your cell phone doesn't have the power to bless you. Do you understand? It actually has the power to curse you. So you get on a cell phone, you can go on Instagram and you can compare your life to everybody else's life and feel miserable about yourself. Money well spent. Every month, putting more money into covetousness, every, more, every month, putting more money into jealousy and envy. every month, putting more money into things that make you miserable. That don't have the power to bless you. I'm not saying it's wrong to have those things. What I'm saying is put them in their proper order. Put God first. Put those things after him. And if you seek first the kingdom of God, all the things that the pagans run after will be added to you by your father who loves you. Tithers. That's where you learn how to let go. I've seen three people in the, in the, in the human race be born. I saw the three, my, my three babies. You know how they came out of the womb? Like this. Grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. Give me, give me, give me. And I've seen many people die. Because I'm a pastor. That's what we do. We go to the death. And I've watched them pass from this life to the next. And you see their hands. And it opens up. You come in and you go out. Symbolic gesture that you cannot take it with you. Learn how to give it away now so that you're well prepared when you give it all away later. It's good for you to release the things that God brings into your life. is good for your heart. Number three level, gospel engine givers. These are the people who give above the tithe. And I'm not just talking about to the church or to this campaign. I'm talking about to your neighbor, to Compassion International, to Hope for Life in Guatemala, who, are, who we are partnering with, the people who give above the tithe, who say, I believe that God has called me to be a giver, not just a tither. And through your giving, the gospel takes root in this community, in other communities across the world. We have global partnerships from India to Central America to Africa. You are part of a global movement by being a giver here at Waters Church. And as you give, the gospel across the world is starting to change lives for the good. Isn't that exciting to hear? You're not just giving to this building. You're not just giving to the roof. You're not just giving to what we're trying to do here. It's global. It's beyond what you see, and you are empowering what happens here through the gospel preaching. But the fourth level, I call it extravagant givers. This is a level that disturbs the status quo. It disturbs things in the spiritual realm. Extravagant giving exposes the takers and the spiritually religious. Extravagant giving makes clear that Jesus Christ is actually the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the highest of all creation, the God who is worthy of our highest praise. Extravagant givers. They give way beyond what they are even able to give. And we're going to look at an extravagant giver today, and I want to show you the four marks of extravagant giving. Would you go with me to John chapter 12, and let's stand for the reading of God's word here in John chapter 12, if you will. Some of you are still writing. Sorry about that. Went a little too quick. The notes will be up on the uh, Facebook page after we're done. Uh, verse one, John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha did what Martha does. She served. Lazarus, listen to this, who was dead, was one of those who was reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore. Now, Mary is Lazarus' sister. And she's got her brother back from the dead. How? Who brought him back from the dead? Jesus. Jesus. By the way, if you're new to church and the pastor asks a question, you got a 90% chance of getting it right if you just say Jesus. (laughs) No matter the question. She's got her brother back. So Mary, therefore, took a pound, this is 12 ounces in the original text, of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? By the way, 300 denarii is a year's wages in those days. This is an extravagant gift. Why didn't you sell it for a year's wages and, listen to him, give the money to the poor? Thank God John doesn't let him get away with that. The very next verse, he gives us a little commentary on Judas. He said this not because he cared about the poor. By the way, how many know it's always the people who don't care about the poor who are telling you to give your money to the poor? It's always the politicians who don't give a rip about the poor who are telling you, give your money to the poor. Watch out for that spirit. It he says, he says he didn't really actually care about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. So that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor. Listen to this, social justice warriors. Listen, social justice Christians. This is Jesus' is speaking. The poor you will always have with you. Another translation says, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father Father in heaven, I pray in Jesus' name that we will hear you today, that my voice will be what you want it to be, every word will be what you want it to be, and whatever you don't want it to be, I will not say. And I pray that you'll forgive me my sins. There are many, Lord. Help me to say your word to your people to feed your sheep. Help us to have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and help us to see Jesus. In his mighty name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Thank you. I want to take you to dinner, not today, <laughs> to a 2,000 year old dinner that happened here in Bethany with Jesus. Jesus is walking a fine line. It's the last week of his life. His enemies are plotting to arrest him, beat him, crucify him, and do away with him. His admirers and followers are also wondering where he is. He's going from place to place, secret place to secret place, because he knows they're out to get him. So where does he go? He goes to Bethany. Why? Because he's got friends there. Lazarus, Mary, Martha. These are the people that Jesus wept over as Mary and Martha cried over the death of their brother Lazarus. And when Jesus saw Mary and Martha cry, he cried. Jesus, the Son of God, needed some close friends. So do you. He wept over them. He raised Lazarus from the dead there. Just in the previous chapter. That sign, that miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead basically was the death knell of his life because as soon as the Pharisees and religious leaders saw Lazarus rise from the dead, they felt intimidated by his power and his authority and they decided to put him to death. And so he's in Bethany and he's hanging out with his friends. And in Mark's gospel, Mark Mark chapter 14 shares this story from another perspective. It tells us that he's actually at the house of a guy named Simon the leper. Simon the leper is there. Simon the leper. Do you know what leprosy is? It was a debilitating skin disease that ate away at your extremities so that you were left with nubs. Your face was disfigured. You had to go around uh, isolated from community. You had to live in leper colonies and cover your face and walk around anywhere you went. You had to stay unclean, unclean, so that nobody would come near you. You couldn't have contact with anybody. But this Simon the leper was now at the table eating with Lazarus, Martha, Mary, and Jesus. How did he get there? How did he get there? He's not supposed to be there. I'll tell you how he got there. Jesus healed him cleansed him of his leprosy and opened his life back up to him he could hug his wife again he could touch his children again he could have dinner like a normal person again how because of Jesus Martha's there doing what Martha does she's cooking and cleaning and she's got six pots on the stove and she's going crazy because that's what she loved to do the disciples are there, these guys who were aimless and pointless in their life. Jesus called them. Jesus brought them to himself. Jesus anointed them. Jesus gave them spiritual power to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to cleanse lepers, to do all the things that he was doing. And they were at the table. These former, these former directionless, targetless people were now filled with purpose because of Jesus. I'm trying to tell you something. That every person in that room was there because of Jesus. He brought them to the table. He made it possible for them to be there. And of course, Lazarus. <laughs> he wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Jesus. He was dead. Jesus called him out, and he's alive again. And so they're having dinner, and they're just hanging around talking. And they're showing Jesus some affection. Thank you. That Lazarus thing was pretty cool. Thank you for that. Simon, I'm sure you're pretty happy you're here this is wonderful peter good to see you amen fantastic bursting through the door comes mary and she knows that her life has been totally changed because of him she knows that because of jesus she's got a healthy relationship with her sister martha again You remember when Martha was serving and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus in Luke chapter 12 and Martha criticizes Mary and says, Jesus, tell her to get busy. Tell her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things. Mary has found what is important and it will not be taken from her. How many of you would love Jesus to just arbitrate between you and your sister or brother? Come on, somebody. Martha, Mary has her sister's relationship back. She's got her brother back from the dead. She's got her life changed. She's got purpose. She's got direction. She's got got hope again. Why? Because of Jesus. And she's not going to just let Jesus have a simple dinner. She's going to express extravagant appreciation for what he's done in her life. She comes in with her jar of pure nard from the Far East. It's red in color, and it smells sweet. You're worth a year's wages. This would have been a family heirloom handed down from grandma to mother to Mary something that she would have saved for the day of her wedding so that she could supply her family with the needs that they would have in a poverty-stricken society. She decides to go all in with Jesus. He raised my brother. He healed my sister. He healed healed Simon. He's worth it. She breaks that jar open because it was all one encased piece of clay. She broke open the neck and spilled it. She didn't dab it. She didn't She poured it over his feet, and Mark says, "Over his head," and then she let down her hair. This was a very, this was a very um, uh, wild thing to do for a woman in that generation. Lets down her hair and she wipes the dirtiest part of Jesus' body, his feet, with her hair. This is a woman who's grateful. This is a woman who doesn't just go to church. This isn't a woman who just listens to what the pastor, what what have you got to say to me today, pastor? This is not a woman who goes through religious motions. Sit, stand, kneel, stand, sit, stand, go home. This is a woman whose heart has been changed, whose life has been totally turned around because of what Jesus did for her. And she's not gonna let him get by with a simple dinner. She's gonna express extravagant love for the Savior who saved her life. Extravagant givers, number one, believe that Jesus is worth it. Extravagant givers believe Jesus is worth. What is what Jesus did to you worth? Has he saved you? Has he healed you? Has he brought you comfort and joy? Has he brought your life back from purposelessness and meaninglessness? Then worship him. Let him know that you're thankful for what he's done in your life. Mary poured expensive ointment. It was pure nard, verse 3 says. She gave him the best. She didn't give him the leftovers of her life. She gave him the best that she had. Why? Because he gave her his best. There's so many times in America we're so guilty of thinking that God hasn't blessed us. Man, God has blessed us. American Christians, I implore you, please visit another country. You've got to get out of this bubble. You gotta get out of the American mindset. You gotta get out of the noise of this world. And you gotta go overseas and you gotta see how other people live. You will come back and you will thank God in heaven that you were born American or that you live in this country. We're so blessed we don't even get it. We've we've gotta invent things to argue about, like whether there's 72 genders or not. It's an invention. It's an invention of our stupid minds so that we can make enemies out of people who we should love. That's what America's become. So blessed we don't know how blessed we are. We gotta learn how to be thankful for what God has given us. This country where I can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without fear of reprisal, without legal reprisal. This, gospel, this, this country where you can put your kids in our children's ministry, where you can come and celebrate Jesus to this incredible band and all the things that are happening here, and then you can go to your homes, your comfortable homes, and you can sleep in a comfortable bed and not fear that you'll be robbed or beaten or strangled or raped because there is so much safety in this country. we got to be thankful for what God has made of this country because of Jesus Christ we got to be thankful. we got to be thankful. Giving will make you happier. Let me tell you something else that will make you happier. Being thankful. Gratitude will change your attitude. Some of you got to go home today and start writing down all the good things in your life. Don't go on Facebook. Don't go on social media. Shut it off and start recounting all the things that God has done. Psalm 103 says that. Psalm 103 verse 1 says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And look at that next line. And forget not. Somebody say, forget not. Don't forget his benefits. How many know it's easy to forget? You get sucked into the vortex that is American consumerism. American compare and contrastism. American materialism. Oh, I need that. I need those shoes, I need that sweatshirt, I need that lifestyle, I need that car, I need that house. Why? Is it gonna make you better? Is it gonna make you really happier? How many of you have aimed at something for years and you got it and you weren't any happier after you got it? You just realized that now you gotta maintain it. You went from a 1,500 square foot house to a 3,000 square foot house, and you realize that you just doubled the amount of space that you have to clean. Someone once said, the more stuff you own, the more stuff owns you. There's something liberating to giving, to letting go of what you have, to learning to be content with what God is giving. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. To just know that God is doing something good in your life right now. You got clothes on your back? How many of you got clothes on your back right now? Just just put your hand real quickly. Because if you don't, we're gonna be freaked out. <laughs> Those of you who have clothes on your back, how many of you got more than one set of clothes? Put your hands up. More than two, three, four. Look at you. You could go a whole week and not look the same. It's a blessing, friend, it's a blessing. Are we thankful? Are we grateful for what God has given us? Because I'm telling you something. Ingratitude is killing us, but gratefulness will bring us back to sensibilities. Forget not his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life. Verse 4, 103. Psalm 103, 4. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and he satisfies you with what? With good. How many people got a bunch of good in their life, but they're not satisfied? That satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, the fountain of youth. We're looking it. Where's the fountain of youth? I want to be young. So we get our creams. We get our potions. We rub ourselves all over. I want to stay young. Some of us, we know this isn't going to do it, so we go to the doctor. And the doctor nips it and tucks it and liposucks it. Make us young, make us young. The the fountain of youth is in the Bible. Learn how to be grateful. Learn how to rejoice in what God has given you. And give your life to his purposes, and he will renew your youth like the eagles. I'm living proof. I'm older than I've ever been, and I look younger than when I was 23. Cheryl's father, our pastor up in Norwood, 75 years old, he comes and preaches here. Some of you, you learn he's 75. You think, how could he possibly be 75? He looks so young. He looks like he's 55. He's getting tattoos now. (laughs) Getting tattoos to make up for lost time. (laughs) (laughs) He's getting younger, not older. How? Because he gave his life to the purposes of Jesus. And if you want your life to stay young and energized, give your life to the purposes of Jesus Christ who made you. I wish I had a better amen than that from you. You're starting to worry me here at second service. God is a giver. Romans 8.32 said, He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for his all, how much more will he also with Jesus graciously give us all things? If God gave you Jesus, what's he going to hold back on? Tell me. What more do you need to see God give to make it clear that he's going to give you everything that you need and a lot of the things that you want? Truth, I want you to write this down. I cannot outgive God. My wife and I just got, on, just got back from Uganda. All expense paid trip to Uganda through Compassion International. You say, hey, how do they pay for those free trips for you pastors? They got business partners. Business partners who give them the money to send pastors overseas because the business partner goes overseas to see these things and says, my pastor needs to see this and other pastors need to see this. And so the business partners pay for the trip so that I can come back and scream at you about giving to compassion. That's how it happens. All right, so chill out if you were asking that question. But a couple of months ago, a couple of months ago, I got my giving statement back from Waters Church because I give. I tithe. I give above the tithe. I'm in that third level. That's where I am. I got it back. I looked at it. I showed it to Cheryl. I said, we're giving too much. I said that. I literally said that. That's not right. So I I started to add up our income. No, 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 actually, we're not giving too much. We're giving just enough. I said, that's not right either. I don't want to be an elementary giver. I want to be a gospel engine giver. So we added to it. We added to the tithe that we were already giving. We increased it. And we do the thing with our bank. We set it and forget it, hallelujah, to make sure that the first thing out of my paycheck is the tithe. And so we increased it. I kid you not, a week later, a week later, we get a call from Compassion. Would you like to go on an all-expense-paid trip to Uganda to see what we're doing down there? Um, yes. (laughs) That's the blessing of the Lord. You can't outgive God. Some of you are holding back the blessings of God because you're holding on to the blessings He's already given you. You're not meant to be a reservoir for the blessings of God. You're meant to be a river through which they flow in you and out of you. Come on, somebody. Are you a reservoir or are you a river? Every good gift, every perfect gift is from, a, from the Father coming down from him with whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. That means that God never stops giving. Number two, extravagant givers understand, like Mary understood here, that others will criticize it. As you start to think about giving, people will question it. You start to, give on, you start to think about what you're gonna give for April 6th and 7th. Be prepared. For the criticisms, somebody's gonna question whether you should give that much. Maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, maybe your mother, maybe your father, maybe your friends. Are you crazy? It's just church. Are you nuts? Expect it. It's a religious and foul spirit. It's all over this world. We give thousands of dollars to Best Buy, thousands of dollars to sports entertainment, thousands of dollars to Verizon, thousands of dollars to at and to the cable company and to all of our pleasures and all of our entertainment. And then we 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 think about giving some money to the church, and somebody says, How could you possibly give that much money to the church? Does that mean that all these other organizations are worth more than Jesus? Are you crazy? Some of you, it's not going to be your spouse. It's not going to be your father. It's not going to be your mother. It's not going to be your kids that criticize you. It's going to be that little voice in the back of your head, the little voice that I can see. Some of you right now, it's talking to you right now, saying, don't listen to this guy, this four-eyed freak. Don't listen to this guy. Don't listen to what he's saying. You can't do it. You can't give. Other people are rich in this church. They give the money. Mm -mm. We got no Daddy Warbucks in this church. I'm just telling you, none. We got regular people. believe Jesus and the gospel is worth it that's what we got in this church so you ignore that voice you rebuke that voice that voice is the voice of stinginess with God it'll get you nowhere Mark chapter 4 says there were some 14 Mark 14 4 says there were some who said to themselves indignantly why this waste (laughs) what a waste to pour that on Jesus everyone's at the table because of Jesus remember I said that? Simon, the leper, not a leper anymore because of Jesus. Lazarus, the dead guy, not a dead guy anymore because of Jesus. The disciples, there because of Jesus. Everybody at that table is there because of Jesus. And they're sitting there saying, why this waste? What a religious spirit. And then there's a guy that goes to another level with it, Judas Iscariot. Oh, the Judas spirit, alive and well in the church today. Look what he says. How, how, how religious does he sound? Come on, look at this. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to who? The poor. Oh, it sounds so religious, doesn't it? It sounds so sanctimonious. He didn't care about the poor. He wanted a little bit of the peace. He wanted a little bit of it for himself to take. He was a thief. The religious spirit of Judas is alive and well in the church to this day. I've done these campaigns over and over and over again. And we got people in our church. Here's what happens. It's amazing how the questions come as soon as we talk about giving. The questions. People that love the church. Suddenly, questions. Questions. Wait a second. Wait a second. People come to the church week in, week out, love it. Come up to me. That was amazing. Thank you for the message. Oh, I love this church. God has changed my heart. God has changed my life. I thank God for this church. But then we start talking about giving. And like, what? whoa, 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 whoa. I got some questions. I, I, I got some questions. What does the church, how does the church spend the money? You didn't care when we were seeing your life changed. Now we're asking you to give back. Now we're asking you to pay it forward. Suddenly, you have questions. Oh, this question comes up. What does the pastor make? What's his salary? Whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't care before? Suddenly the questions. Judas Spirit. Suddenly the questions. Oh, this one, this classic one. I want to see the books. I want to see the books. Before I give my heart and money, I want to see the books. Mind you, they have no clue how to read the books. So we say, okay, you want to see the books? Here's the books. We show them. They go like this. Dots, numbers, squares, lines. They're like, looks good. I don't even know how to read the books. I'm telling you, we are, our church gets audited by an outside company every single year to make sure that we are doing things right in this church. We will not spend the money wrongly in this church. There is too much at stake. Our name is at stake. The glory of Jesus is at stake. And I'm asking you to stop with the questions and start with the giving because we will give to the glory of Jesus Christ in this church. Number three. Extravagant givers beautify the offerings of the body of Christ. Beautify the offerings of the body of Christ. So Mary gives her ointment to the body of Christ, and it made his body beautiful because it smelled beautiful. And I want you to think about the impact of that offering. He stood before Pilate a few days later at his trial smelling Like Mary's ointment. How how many of you have ever run into somebody that has put on too much cologne? Like, you know, you want to just tell that person, listen, two squirts, dude. Just two. You're done. Right? She poured the whole thing all over his body. How many know he smelt like that for a few days? He was going to the cross. I imagine those Roman soldiers were nailing him to the cross. And as they nailed, blood... And Mary's ointment, mixed together, splashed up on their face. (laughs) I smelled a lot of guys that we were killing. They don't ever smell that good. And you know what else that ointment was used for, historically? For embalming dead bodies. Now, you and I know this, that your sense of smell is the number one sense that is tied to your memory. How many know that when those Roman soldiers went and visited funerals and grave sites long after they put Jesus on the cross and smelt that smell, it reminded them of him. I remember we put that carpenter up on that cross, and they put him in that tomb, and he came out. And every time they went to a funeral, they were reminded of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. That's pretty stinking cool if you ask me. And your offerings at this church, it beautifies what we do. I think that our church should be beautiful. I think our facilities should be glorious. I don't think we should be cheap about how we do church. I remember when we were in the old church, and I was raising money for this church, and I said, listen, we're going to buy the building. It's going to be $4 million to buy it. It's going to be $3 million to renovate it. Oh, the eyebrows. Oh, the eyebrows went up. (gasps) Seven million. <gasps> Should a church spend that much money? Oh, 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 I was so mad. I went home, I complained to Cheryl. These cheapskate Christians. They don't, we had at five services a weekend. I was exhausted for heaven's sakes. Couldn't fit any more people. We needed a new building. Want to believe for God for big things? Amen, somebody but the pastor starts to try to raise money for people to find Jesus and suddenly the eyebrows, what a religious Judas spirit. We need to rebuke it in Jesus' name and see generosity be released to the kingdom of God. (laughs) Ridiculous. Anyway, (laughs) the next weekend I got up on stage. If you were here, you remember that. I said, I saw your eyebrows. So you tell me. How much is a soul worth to you tell me give me a number we'll stay under that number how about that let's make a deal you tell me how much a soul being saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth and we'll stay under that number nobody gave me a number because they all knew what can a man gain if he forfeits his soul and gains the whole world There's nothing more valuable than a soul. And we've seen thousands of people get saved every year in this church, over a thousand people on average for the last three years. You tell me, how many books do you need to read about our finances before you start trusting us that we are about people coming to Jesus and not just about money? You know what I'm saying? Your giving beautifies this building. You know, sometimes you walk into a church, it's in disrepute, it's in disrepair, it stinks. It stinks because they haven't changed anything for 35 years. You go into some church like walking in a time warp. You're walking back in time, 1975. This is what it was like. Oh yes. Meanwhile, they're saying give us 10%. They're not changing anything. Nothing's getting better. Where is that money going? Ask yourself where is that money going? They're asking for 10% and nothing's changing. They're taking God's money and funding their own pockets. The Judas spirit what you see in this church, things are changing. Things are renew- getting renewed. Things are getting better. We're expanding to one socket. We're expanding to other places. We're believing God for global missions around the world on every continent, a touch of God through Waters Church in Jesus' name. We're not just taking the money. We're putting it back into the kingdom, and your offerings beautify that offering. Number four, lastly, extravagant givers are remembered forever, remembered forever, Whatever you give to the kingdom, Jesus writes it down. Oh yeah. He writes it down. Listen to what he says in, in Mark's gospel. And he says this. He says, she has done what she could. She anointed my body beforehand. But but then she says that, But then Jesus says this. He closes out the story in Mark's gospel with this word. He says, I say to you truly that what, whenever, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And here we are 2,000 years ago, and we're still talking about her. Aren't we? We're still talking about her because she was remembered, and she's remembered forever because she gave extravagantly. How are you going to be remembered? How are you going to be remembered? Stingy? cheap all about yourself just like the pagans oh my number one priority is to make sure that my kids are well provided for and I think that's the most godly thing I can do nonsense pagans do that non-believers make sure that their kids are taken care of you're a Christian you got to go above and beyond that stuff you got to be different you got to feel different you got to look different you got to spend different You're a child of the king of kings. And when this woman gave that money, Jesus wrote it down. Jesus writes down everything that you do for him. Because he said, I'm coming back, and my reward is with me to give to each person, each one of you, according to what you've done. Please, 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 don't believe the lie from Satan that heaven's going to be equal no way absolutely not there is no stinking way that God is going to reward the Christian minister minister in Iran who's giving his life for Jesus with a hit on his head every single day the same way he's going to reward the half-hearted Christian who comes and takes from the church in America there is no stinking way each one's getting the gift according to what he has done and when you give God writes it down writes it down, and he records it forever because he's bringing back a reward for you. I told you about Richmond Wandera. I want to show you a picture of him. This is him. He's not just a pastor. He's an accountant, and he leads a discipleship network for pastors in Uganda. He is a graduate of the Compassion Program, and you know what? You know who he is sponsored by? <laughs> a 15-year-old girl from America. A 15 year old girl took her babysitting money and sent it to compassion for him. And today he's trained and raised up 3,000 pastors for the country of Uganda. (laughs) 15 year old. Do you know her name? I don't know her name. Jesus knows her name. She gave it every month and Jesus wrote it down. And when he comes back, she's getting rewarded. So Cheryl and I visited a home of a woman dying of AIDS. I want to show you her home here on the screen. That's her home. Just the last room, actually, in this building. Just the last room. She lives in an 8x8 eight eight room. An 8 by 8 one-room home with five children. We walked in. It smelled bad. It was 95 degrees inside. Humidity 100%. That's her second one from the left. She's got AIDS. Her her husband died of AIDS. She's left with five kids. Two of her kids right there are in the compassion program getting sponsored by people like you, bringing hope to her home. We met her. We prayed over her. We saw at the end of her bed, there was this pile of medicines, just a huge pile, because she's got AIDS. We pray over her we bring a bag of food with us and we put the bag of food down we unzip the bag of food and she starts to pull the bag of food out and I'll never forget that her daughter reached in to grab the bag of rice I've never seen anything like this and she took the rice this 12 year old girl she took the rice bag and she started to kiss it like it was a toy and then we prayed over and we, we were about to leave and she said no you can't go yet I got to give you something. I said, we said, no way. You can't do that. That's not right. No, 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 no. We came to give. She says, no, no, no. She pulled out a bag of bananas and she handed them to us. She said, please, let me give these to you. I can't just receive. 7,000 miles away from you right now, there's a woman dying of AIDS in an 8 by 8 room who knows better than most Americans it's better to give than to receive